Good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon, good afternoon, and welcome back. Welcome back to Porsche Cooled. My name is Michael Bath, and this is Owner Stories. Owner Stories number 79. If you haven't been here before, welcome. If you have, welcome back. What is Owner Stories? Owner Stories is the podcast where I chat about Porsches. I chat about Porsches with people around the world, just normal owners, owners like me. I've got a 997 Carrera if you been, haven't been here before. Owners who, you know, who like dreaming about Porsches, owners who have dreamt about Porsches for a long time and, and maybe now have four or five, uh, people who are just getting into it for the first time with a 996 or a 997 or a Boxster, you know, 2.5, Boxster 986 um, or a Cayman. Um, it's all about the ownership journey. It's all about the story. And as I always said, I used to say it in the very, very beginning of these uh, Porsche Good Owners stories. In, in, and this is how I kind of came about the, uh, the idea of this, this podcast is that every, each Porsche tells a different story and each owner has a story to tell. And that's basically what Owner Stories of the Porsche Cool Podcast is all about. Anyway, number 79 today. Um, I'm going to be joined very, very shortly by Tyler. Uh, Tyler's coming in from Minneapolis in the USA. You would have seen by the title, Tyler's got a couple of Porsches. We'll chat about that when we get Tyler uh, connected through Zoom. Um, all of the Owner Stories, they're done through Zoom. Um, it's the best way to do it and... Most of the times it works out pretty well. Sometimes I know the sound is a little bit dodgy, but in general the sound is uh, is pretty good the way that I record it. Anyway, um, for those of you who are wondering, this is number 79. I'm recording these a little bit in advance. Um, you would probably know that sometimes I give it away during the conversation, but I am recording them a few weeks in advance. Um, it just makes it easier for me to, to keep giving you these owner stories every week. Um, and to just keep on top of it. Otherwise, if I'm doing them week by week, which I kind of was doing for a while there, I was doing them, you know, the week before I'd record someone for the following week's owner stories. It's a little bit hard because if anything happens, as in my work gets crazy, uh, I get sick, which I have been feeling quite sick the last pop, last week, um, I have to cancel or, or reschedule and it's sort of all out of whack. So recorded a few in advance, quite a few in advance actually, um, but just so that you guys can always have your owner stories every Tuesday. Um, and that's about it. Uh, it's almost four o'clock here in London, uh, four o'clock on a Tuesday. I'm going to get Zoom fired up and I'm going to get Tyler from Minneapolis in the USA and start talking about his Porsche Cooled owner's story. Okay, welcome back everyone. Welcome back to Owner Stories. And as I said before, it's number 79 and I am joined now by Tyler. Tyler's coming in from Mini <laughs> Minneapolis, right? Minnesota. That's correct, yeah. Minneapolis. I always get confused mm -hmm. between the two. Why is that some kind of a that's a weird Australian thing, isn't it? I always get confused between the two. I know I've had someone on before who's come from that region as well. Yeah, uh probably James, the auto amateur. I'll probably give him a, a shout out and a recommend for other people to follow him on Instagram. But he's uh in the area as well. And you know, Minneapolis um and Minnesota, pretty similar uh start to the words, but yeah, I'm in Minneapolis. Fantastic, fantastic. So I just want to tell the listeners a big congratulations to Tyler as well. He's just become a dad. He's had a little baby girl, so congratulations, Tyler. Yes, thank you, Michael. Appreciate it. So Tyler and I have been chatting over Instagram. been trying to hook up this, this uh, owner stories for a little while, um, and it's going to be a good one. Um, Tyler, as you will know, has, he has probably two of my favorite cars. I think two of my favorite cars, and it's a really good as I was saying to Tyler before we started, a really good combination of, of Porsches to own at a reasonable price in some countries, in some countries. But we'll get into that. Yep. But before we get there, Tyler, let's, let's just start at, the, at the, the first question, the first bit of the conversation. 
Where, when did it all begin for you? When did, when did you first start noticing Porsche? Did you have, you know, uh, Hot Wheels cars, Matchbox cars? Did you have, you know, did, did someone in the street own a 911? When did you start noticing them and think, mm, maybe one day I can, I can get one of those? Yeah, so my affiliation with Porsche really didn't start until recently, but uh, my interest in sports cars uh, started when, when I was younger. My dad got, a, and you'll probably laugh at this, Michael, that saying this is a sports car is a bit of a stretch, but he got a 2003 Chevy Cavalier, brand new, uh, okay. you know, red. It had shiny chrome rims and the premium sound package. And I was like blown away by this car at the time. I thought it was like the coolest thing. It maybe looked a little bit like a, like a Porsche 944. Um, <laughs> and you know, he would, he would bring it home after work and I would grab my CDs and I would just sit in the car and, you know, throw, throw on my CDs and listen to that. And, uh, you know, he taught me how to drive stick on that car when I became of age. And, and I absolutely love that car. So that was like the first sports car that I saw, you know, two door, um, and just, just loved it. Um, so I, I've always been driving stick and I've really appreciated that, but I didn't really notice Porsche specifically maybe until like 2018, to be honest with you. Uh, not a lot of people in my neighborhood growing up had one. I can't think of a friend's dad, you know, or, or anybody like that that I saw with them. But I was on a business trip in Arizona and we were staying at a pretty nice hotel. And there was a, maybe like a 1987 Porsche 911, you know, guards red looked beautiful. And uh, there was also a Lamborghini next to it. And I only took a picture of the Porsche and I sent it to my wife and I said, wow, look how awesome this is. So <laughs> I don't know. I've always liked the lines. I've always liked, you know, the, the iconic shape and everything like that. And, um, you know, that's when I first kind of noticed it. And I went to an auction with uh, my father-in-law, maybe in 2019. And I saw a Miata go for like $4,000 and it only had like 60,000 miles and it was in perfect condition. And I was like, wow, you can get a nice fun convertible for for that little money. Uh, And that kind of started to, you know, get the gears turning a little bit for me. Like, I'm like, Hey, you know what? I'm not going to buy a camper or I'm not going to, you know, get like jet skis. I'm not going to get any of those toys. Like maybe this is something I'm interested in. Um, And I really miss driving stick because I did buy the family responsible vehicle. Uh, you know, four-door Honda Civic uh, to okay. put the baby seat in. And, uh, you know, I did end up selling that. And we'll get into that okay, you <laughs> later on that. in the story. I sure did. But, um, yeah, um, so See, that's, that's kind of how I started it. Yeah, okay. I, let's just, sorry, sorry, Tyler. The, the Miata, you know what I mean? And I don't know what the prices are mm-hmm. in the U.S., but the Miata, which is the MX-5 in, <clears throat> in Australia and and UK, isn't it? I think I don't know whether it's called the MX-5 in UK or Miata, but Miata MX-5. Great little car. Um, Steve had one, you know, in back in the day. Um, is that is Miata's around the same price as say a very high mileage Boxster in the US, or is it a different is it a different level again? Yeah, so they can be cheaper. Uh, I would say. I mean, with the car market going how it is, you know, they, they've they've definitely crept up, um, but. When I was starting to look, you know, I was looking for the Miatas and every time that I saw one that I was maybe interested in, you know, it was a little bit higher than I wanted to spend at the time. And I was like, you know what, like this is starting to creep up into the Porsche territory. So let me just check it out. And, um, you know, I found an example and we'll get into that um, maybe later on down the road or if you want me to introduce it early, um, let me know. Okay, so that was that was 2018. You said you first started noticing Porsche. So you you sort of thinking about Miatas. You thinking about other types of sports cars. Was was that were there any other cars after that point? Or you've got the family car. You got the Civic. 
And then yeah. so a few years back, so what did anything else happen or you went you started searching for that for that first Porsche? Yeah, so basically my car journey was that that Cavalier that I mentioned at the jump. Um, you know, my dad handed that off to me. Uh I eventually went into a 2010 Chevy Cobalt. Um and then I got in an accident and then got that that um that Civic that I mentioned. And that Civic, you know, when we were starting to look, my wife and I, I was like, okay, I really want a two-door and I really want to drive stick. And, uh, you know, I ended up with an automatic four-door. And so I wasn't really <laughs> super thrilled with anything, you know, yeah. that I had gotten. It was a great car. Don't get me wrong. Like it got 40 miles to the gallon, super safe, really reliable. It was great. Um, but I always was just missing that feeling of driving stick and just having that level of control and fun within a car. And I think there's quite a big difference between a four-door Civic and a two-door Civic, isn't there? Is it just in I the doors so, yeah. or it's something else, right? There's something else that's different, I think, from memory. I can't remember. Okay, okay. so you wanted stick. You know, you've got the Civic. It's auto. So you, you, you've you got the Civic. What happens then? What what do you start thinking? Do you thinking Are you thinking I'm going to upgrade the Civic? I'm going to get something a little bit better? Or do you think I'm going to get something fun on the side? Yeah, I was thinking I was going to get something fun on the side. And the reason for that is we moved into a new house and it had a three stall garage as opposed to two, which our prior house had. Yep. And, you know, I'm looking at it and I'm talking to my wife and I'm like, you know, it's really wasteful to just have this extra stall here, you know, empty. Like, what are we doing? You know, and, uh, <laughs> you know, having looked at those prices, you know, the, uh, the affordability of, um, you know, a fun car on the side was, was certainly within reach. And, um, you know, that prompted the search and I got pretty serious about looking into that search. And this was basically, at the start of COVID when they started issuing, um, I forget what those checks were called, but, uh, you know, you're getting a little bit of a boost from the government for support yep. and everything like that. Yep. And, um, you know, that was a, an extra nudge in the direction of taking a look at that car, um, and, and getting it in the garage actually. So I've had a bit of a trend recently on owner stories and you probably picked up on it as well, that a lot of people have bought cars during COVID, right? We know that's mm -hmm. happened. We know the prices of cars have gone crazy. The prices of Porsches have gone insane. Um, the prices of everything have gone insane, you know, JDM cars, everything. So what do you start looking for? So you're in, it's, it's what, 2020? We're in 2020 and you start searching. Yep. So what do you start searching for? Are there local dealers nearby where you can go and look at, you know, Porsches or do you start looking online, bring a trailer? How do you start going about it, Tyler? Yeah. So I was really trying to find something locally. And like I mentioned, it was more in the Miata range. So I was on Facebook and Craigslist and those things. And like I said, those prices were just a little bit more for those cars than I felt like I wanted to pay for what I was looking for, which was essentially an introduction into, you know, this fun car world, uh, you yep. know, at a price point that was manageable and, and just to try it out, right? Like if I didn't like it or, you know, it wasn't what I thought, I didn't want to take a big risk about it. Um, and so as those prices got closer to, to the Porsche world, I just said, you know what, let me just type in Porsche and let me see. And I did that on Craigslist. I found uh, an ad, you know, that had maybe been posted about a month ago. It was approaching the top end of my budget, but it was within the budget. And I downloaded a couple apps on my phone, like uh, car gurus or cars.com. And, and I searched basically nationwide and I said, wow, for the mileage in a manual in, in a non silver or, you know, in a color that I really appreciate, uh, this one 20 minutes down the road is like right. the best available at this time. And that's how I found it. So what was the range then when you were looking, um, not the price of your car, but what was the range that, that, that they were sort of sitting at in 2020? Uh, for, for a, a, like a boxer. Yeah. For a boxer. 
Uh, yeah, w- approaching the hundred thousand mile mark, you could get them uh, eight nine thousand dollars. I saw a few for maybe seven thousand five hundred, but you know okay. those were in the ninety nines or maybe some automatics as well. Okay, so you've you've got this local ad. What do you do then? Yeah, so I reached out to the guy, and uh, you know I sent him a message and. I went on Kelly Blue Book and I typed in the information about his car and I said, hey, this checks out at this price here. And I took a screenshot of it and you're listing it for this price, which is a bit more. Um, I'm, I'm interested in checking it out, but like, can you talk to me a little bit about the price? And he responded uh, pretty quickly. And I think he knew that I was a, a, a decently serious buyer to at least, you know, do the legwork of kind of scoping that out for him. And he said, yeah, well, you know, Kelly Blue Book lags behind a little bit on what these actually sell for, uh, you know, and I lowered this from a higher price and this is kind of where I want to be. But, uh, you know, I'm happy for you to come over and, you know, check it out in person and we can talk more about it then. Okay. So did you go, you went over and checked it out? Yeah. Yep. So my wife and I, uh, you know, took the Reliable Civic over to his house and uh, pulled up, you know, to his house and he, he lives in a nice area of town and you know pull up and it's a you know pretty a pretty big house that it's like oh yeah this guy would own a Porsche or two you know uh, <laughs> kind of vibe and you know he came out and uh you know he's like the nicest guy in the world and said um you know here's the car you know um have you ever driven one of these before and I said no I've actually I don't even know if I've ever been this close to one before uh and so instead of being like real turned off like oh god this guy you know he was really really cool and he basically took me around the car he showed me some of the imperfections on it, you know, he popped the the front trunk for me. He did, he did everything. He showed me how to put the uh, hood down, how to, how to deal with the car, you know, where the keys go and all that fun stuff. And he gave me a, a quick crash course and basically just threw me the keys and said, you know, if you head out of my neighborhood and go down to the right, there's about, uh, you know, a, a pretty long stretch of road there with a roundabout. Why don't you uh, check it out and come back and tell me what you think? Oh, that's very cool. It's very cool. Was he, um, was he the, was he the original owner or he'd only owned it for a few years? I think he only owned it for a few years. I didn't get like a Carfax uh, with that. Actually, I know he was not the original owner because the documentation for this car, which I ended up purchasing, only covered his ownership, which was 2016 through when I bought it um, in 2020. Okay, so you took it for a ride. You took it for a drive oh, with, yeah. your, with your wife? With my wife, yep. Yeah, and so... Um, what did you think? What were the first impressions? Well, first impressions, Michael, when I sat down, you know, the seat was in perfect position for me. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> you know, that was a good sign off. Exactly, exactly. Uh, <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I, I had to back out of his driveway, which, you know, had a little bit of an incline. And I hadn't driven stick in a number of years. And I'm like, oh, geez, like, I'm going to have to back this out, <laughs> not not bottom it out and not kill it. Although this guy watches me, you know, in his car. Like, yeah. so it's pretty stressful, but I absolutely nailed it uh, and got on the road. And, um, you know, with the top down and the windows down, Michael, uh, honestly, within the first 20 seconds of driving the car, I smiled as much as I've smiled, you know, <laughs> at like I had the most fun and I absolutely loved it. Uh, my wife, you know, is, is very risk averse and, you know, she could see how happy I was and, you know, she was kind of fighting back a smile as well. And uh, honestly, I think we both knew within, you know, 20 seconds that this was a must buy. Okay. So you go back to the guy, nice guy. Do you start to negotiate down or are you happy with the price? Yeah, I come back and, you know, I mean, I know that some of these people talk about, you know, playing it close to the chest and everything. <laughs> I mean, I couldn't wipe the smile off my face, yeah. Michael. You know, it was like I was just having such a blast. And, 
you know, I came back and I said, wow, that was, that was great. And, you know, he said, well, what do you think? And I said, well, I think it's great. You know, I shot you, um, you know, what I saw in Kelly blue book and, you know, you, you, you kind of talked a little bit that you were happy where you were, but is there anything that we can do on price? And he said, you know, let me talk to my wife. I can maybe knock a little bit off because, you know, you remind me of me. He said, so basically, you know, I was younger. I, was, I think I was 30 at the time. Uh, you know, it was going to be my first sports car. And, uh, you know, he was, he was nice enough to use that, um, life situation, I guess, for me to cut me a bit of a break on the price. Oh, that's good. So we haven't really introduced the car. Tell the listeners, um, before we get into the inspection side of it, tell the listeners exactly what you found. And we know you're going to buy this car, but tell the listeners exactly what you found and what the options were and and (laughs) anything that had been changed on the car when you, when you purchased it, when you looked at it. Yep. So uh, this was a 2001 uh, Porsche 986 Boxster uh, base model, five-speed. It's in the lapis blue color, with, nice color, which is just beautiful in the sun mm. and in the shade. Yeah, I love I love a blue car, Yeah, uh, especially with that metallic hue. I think it's great. Um, black leather seats, and it didn't really have that many options. Um, it just had like the three-spoke steering wheel. It had 17-inch turbo twist wheels, and... Um, that was, that was honestly about it. Um, so, so it was a little bit of a bare bones boxster, but you know, with, with just looking out the window, uh, you know, uh, and having that view and having that noise behind you and, and the fun coming in through the top, like it had everything that it needed from me, especially as an introductory car. And was it, it was pretty stock then there was no modifications to it. It wasn't one of these boxes that someone had tried to make something more out of it. No, absolutely not. Um, it was basically completely stock. And that really is how I like my cars. You know, I think the engineers do such a great job with the design that, you know, who am I to <laughs> say, hey, I want this done differently? No, no, it's true. It's true. And what about the, sorry, what was the mileage, Tyler? Uh, mileage was 101,400 at the time. 101,400 to the European listeners, 160,000 kilometers. So it's not, it's not crazy mileage, is it? It's not crazy mileage. Um, for a car, you know, 2001, 2001 yeah, I didn't Boxster. Think so. Um, so the 2001 Boxster, it's the, so what engine is that? It's not the 2.5, is it 2.7, right? It is 2.7, correct. 2.7, 2.7. So we all know, you know, the elephant in the room, we always talk about it, you know, I've got a 997, it's always there, the IMS issue with the Boxsters and, and the 997s. Do you think you need to do an inspection on this car? Or do you just trust the buyer, the price is good, and you will deal with whatever you have to deal with once it's in your ownership? Yeah, so this went from an idea in my head of like, hey, I might be interested in a Porsche to like literally within a week being like, hey, I'm probably buying this. Um, so I really dove into the forums and YouTube videos and all this stuff to to see you know, what everybody is saying and, and what everybody's thoughts are. And I really came to the conclusion, Michael, that you know this car has 100,000 miles on it. It appears to have been well-maintained. I am, you know, in a way buying the seller and I absolutely, you know, trusted that everything this guy said was honest. Yeah. You know, he, he showed me like literally every single imperfection that even some now I like, am surprised to see if like they just happened to catch my eye. Um, so I had a really, really good vibe with him. Uh, I really liked the way that he dealt with me in terms of being like, you know, I have nothing to hide here are the keys. And so the plan was, I was not going to do a pre-purchase inspection. Okay. Um, so feel free to collect yourself, but I did get a little bit of cold feet no, I think, and I was like, I, you know what? <laughs> yeah, I can understand. I can understand. So he literally, so let's just go back to that, Tyler. So he's a really good seller, right? Genuine sort of guy. 
So he goes through all the imperfections, so he shows you everything that's wrong with the car, which a lot of sellers won't do because they just make you see it. And, un- and when you're excited, you go and look for a car, you do miss things, right? That's why they always say, don't just buy it on the first look, go back again and look at, the sec- look at it the second time and you'll see something that you missed the first time. Um, even with my car, I looked at it, I think, twice, and, but I got a PPI done on my car when I, when I had it done, but that was from a dealer, so you can't always trust the dealer. So what about... What about all the manuals and all the service history and everything? Did he show you all that? That was all laid out as well? There was plenty of receipts and records of what had been done? Yeah, so he did have that that stuff available. And I did come to him with a few questions of like looking at the service intervals online and everything like that. And I asked if certain things had or had not been done. And basically he was like, hey, man, this, is, this really is like a turnkey. You can drive it until the end of the season. You know, you probably got about you know, 2000 or so miles left on the oil. I bought it in September. So, you know, living in Minnesota, we kind of got to put it away, um, you know, at the end of October, maybe. Um, so yeah, you know, he was, he was like that. He, he was willing to go through those things, but I didn't even really have those questions that much. Um, just kind of based on what we had talked about and the, the working order of the car, like literally like the time that I got it from first gear to second gear, I was like, wow, this is the best car that I've ever driven and it's not even close. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Good to be in a stick again. So, okay, so so what do you do? You've, you've made the decision. You're in his driveway. He's gone through the car. So you, you wait a few days and then you purchase it or you literally purchase it on the spot? You give him a deposit? How does it work? Yeah. Um, so he said, you know, he needed to talk to his wife about, you know, the, the discount that he was going to give. And I had to talk to my wife about spending near the top end of the budget. Um, so, you know, we kind of had a tentative agreement of what next steps would look like. And I went home and, you know, he stayed home and, you know, we connected the next day and he said, Hey, this, this price that we talked about is good. And I said, yeah, um, let's do it. And in the meantime, um, I did. So I was saying I I was willing to forego the PPI, but, you know, in reading all of the forums, everybody was like, dude, you basically have to do it. Like you have to do it. So, um, you know, I, I called him back and I said, Hey, I've lined up a PPI at this location. Um, my plan was that my father-in-law who's a bit of a car guy, but not a Porsche guy would, you know, come and look it over with me before we actually exchanged money. But instead I just thought, Hey, you know what? Um, let's just have the professionals take a look at this. And, uh, you know, he said, uh, you know, I welcome any PPI. I have nothing to hide. And he was gracious enough to bring it over to that place, which, you know, the PPI came back, everything was looking good. So, uh, absolutely checked out. So you did do a PPI. I did. Yeah. Yeah. I changed my mind and yeah, uh, I decided that a PPI. So yeah. what were the, what was the crazy, we always talk about the crazy PPI list where there's a lot of things on it that don't really mean anything. Was there anything on there that surprised you? <laughs> there was a little bit, uh, <laughs> like the, so the passenger side, uh, you know, like drop down sun visor was missing the, not the mirror, but the thing that covered the mirror, that plastic piece. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. And that was, so he actually still had the piece and, uh, you know, but that was like, like, I think it was like $200, you know, the shop said to fix that. I'm like, are you kidding me? I'm not going to fix that. You know what I mean? But, um, the, really the only thing was they identified that the, uh, engine had a bit of a leak starting of a little bit of oil, um, around one of the gasket seals or something like that. Um, which they said, this is something that, you know, is very minor. You know, the, the seller said he had never experienced any drippage on the floor or, you know, any excessive consumption. Um, and I said, you know, I'm glad that the PPI uncovered this just so I wouldn't be surprised at any point down the road, but you know, I was very comfortable, uh, with the status of that, uh, imperfection and I have not addressed it and it has not been an issue for me at all during my ownership. 
So it's pretty yeah. good though, right? It's, it's a car, it's 100,000 miles. It's a well-driven Boxster. Um, and it's pretty much pretty clean. And, and a reasonable, reasonable good price, right? You said slightly top end, but a reasonable good price. What about the things like the, um, when you got the PPI done, what about the top? The top is always a bit of an issue where people have issues with the top breaking, um, the back window. Except I watched something online yesterday where someone was cleaning the rear of a, um, actually it was a guy that does ice cleaning on cars and he was doing a Porsche mm. and he was doing the back window on a convertible and it was completely cloudy and they just buffed it up and it was completely clear. I didn't realize you could fix it so easily. How's, how was the plastic window and the top on the, on the Boxster? Because they're quite expensive to fix. Yeah, they are. Uh, you know, this Boxster, uh, perfect. The uh, top went up and down absolutely the way that it needed to. There is a little crease on maybe the driver's side window that has a hole maybe the size of your pinky fingernail. Uh, kind of very immaterial to me, um, but that, that was really the only issue with the top. Okay, so you transferred the money, you go back and pick up the car, it's still good weather, you've still got the good weather in Minneapolis, it's still reasonable driving weather. Where did you go? Did you go straight home or did you take it for a spin? Yeah, first, before we get to that point, Michael, I just <laughs> want to tell you, I ended up buying it over a holiday weekend. Oh, okay. And I told this guy, you know, that uh, I said, hey, I'll be there at like 10 o'clock or 11 o'clock, I forget. But um, I had to stop at the bank first to extract the money. And uh the line for the four rows of ATMs was like literally out to the parking lot. So I'm like, <laughs> oh, oh my. my God, dude, <laughs> Like, are you serious? So my wife and I had to wait in line for an hour. So the time we were supposed to be there was the time we actually got the money out of the bank. So um, I had to message him and I was like, he's going to probably think I'm flaking like last <laughs> second. You know what I mean? <laughs> but, uh, you know, we waited in line, we got the money, you know, they gave us an envelope and everything. And I basically walked up to him, you know, I said, you know, here's, here's the envelope uh, and the receipt. You can go count it and everything that's all there. And, uh, you know, I said, Hey, but before, you know, before I take it, do you mind just taking me on a drive and showing me, you know, kind of how you drive in terms of like where you keep the RPMs and things like mm -hmm. that. Um, so he, so we did that, you know, his wife was inside counting the money. He took me for a little 10 minute drive, um, to go over those things with me. And then, yeah, he mm -hmm. gave me, you know, the three sets of keys and all the history that he had. And, um, I was on my way. That's a really good thing to do. No one's ever sort of said that before, I don't think, that they've done that. That's actually a really good thing to do. It's a good thing to do for the person selling it as well, you know, where they're giving away the car too. It's like their last drive in their car, you know what I mean? If there is any sort of attraction to the car or emotional attachment to the car and you get to know how he drives it and, and that's a really good thing to do. Good thought. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, I, I just wanted to be careful with it, you know, um, you know, this was something that it, at the time was, was a good amount of money for me to just be spending on something for fun, you know, definitely did not need it. Um, so I just wanted to make sure that I was going to keep it in the, in the shape that I was inheriting it in and, uh, enjoy it. So I took it over to my friend's house. He lived about 20 minutes away from that guy and, you know, said, Hey, look what I got. Like, let's jump on the highway and you know, take it around and see how it all goes. And, uh, you know, from there, then uh, I went home and, you know, had my wife's family over uh the next day and you know we googled and ogled over it we're like look how cool this is and all that stuff so <laughs> so what what so you get it home you've got your first porsche the first drive though the you know you took it out for a drive with him people looking at your car they're coming over to look at it how was it for you though when you went out in the car for the first time and drove it yourself and just realized it just sort of sunk in that hey i've, I've got my first porsche yeah i uh, felt great um it felt like I've owned the car forever. Um, like I mentioned, backing out of his driveway, 
you know, um, that car is like second nature to me. I feel so confident and comfortable in doing anything in it. Um, like I, I just felt like I owned it for a hundred years on my first drive and, um, you know, I've just loved getting to drive it and experience it, you know, as much as I can. Fantastic. All right. So you get the car. Do you, and I always ask this question, do you think, okay, it's perfect. You know, there's a good service. There's a good history of it. You know, it's the guy who sold it to you said, there's not much you can do. You have to do to it. You can just drive it, you know, until the winter comes. Do you still think, hey, I want to take it to a Porsche specialist or a Porsche dealer and get it checked over and and get anything fixed that has to be fixed or you just leave it until the winter? Yeah, my thoughts were I was just going to leave it pretty much until the winter, Um, you know, to winterize it, I'd get an oil change beforehand. And, you know, I went back and I looked through the service history specifics that he shared with me. And, you know, I I ended up doing something like um, I flushed some fluids and did some extra things that, you know, maybe did not need to be done, but according to the book, you know, were due. So um, I did take it in when I winterized it and just knocked out several other things um, just to have it as perfect as I could possibly have it. So anything major that you have to do that you had to do? No, uh, but unfortunately, I did have a couple major er things uh, this season that you know had to come due just kind of from age. You know, I did have to replace a water pump. Um, the water pump and stuff like that. The thing yeah. I'm starting to really worry about this water pump issue. You you heard about so Steve's car, his GT3, his water pump failed um, mm-hmm. the other week, and he had to get it fixed. Um, and the water pump is a really weak area on nine nine seven nine nine sixes. Um, I don't believe mine has been done. As you know, I've got an 06, 997. Mm-hmm. I don't believe my water pump has been done. Apparently, there's very little indication if it is going to go, um, which I find surprising. I thought they could have actually, when they're doing the service, that they look at your car, you could actually see it. Because it's quite a big, It's I don't know how much yours costs, but I know for Steve, it's quite a lot of money to get it fixed, to get it rectified. Um, it's mm-hmm. something you have to be aware of. And I know that when people buy nine, nine, you know, 996s, 997s, or even Boxsters, you know, it's always about has the IMS been done, if it needs to be done, if it's a pre-05 or whatever for a 997, not an 06. Um, has the water pump been done? Has the clutch been changed? So with yours, was there any IMS um, solution on your car or was it just standard? It was just standard, and that was something that I – felt comfortable with, you know, getting in at the price point that I was getting in, you know, I felt like I could take that risk, um, and be comfortable. And if it, if it went, unfortunately, you know, uh, that that's just how it goes sometimes. Um, you know, and the water pump was, was not done before. And that was like a thousand dollars for my car. I don't know okay. if you mentioned how much Steve's was. Yeah. Um, no, I didn't, but that's a lot cheaper. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And what about the clutch? What about the clutch? Cause you've got a hundred thousand miles on your car on the Boxster. How was the, the, the clutch feel? Was it all okay? Yeah, clutch felt great. I don't have any documentation of when it was replaced. I assume it's not on the original. It's up to about 110,000 miles now and still going real strong. Fantastic, fantastic. So you've got this car. You've got it in a great color. You know, lapis, uh, lapis blue, I think, is it's almost reminiscent of a 993 color. I always think of this 993 color when I think of that, that blue. It's almost, it's not purpley blue, is it, though? But it's got a really nice shine in the, in the light. It's a really beautiful color. And somehow, and sometimes yeah. an overlooked color as well, like not a color that everyone sort of thinks about. You know what I mean? There's always sapphire and there's always midnight, but lapis is not always on everyone's sort of list of, of great blues. But I think it really is a great blue. So you've got your Boxster. This is 2020. You bought it. You're enjoying it. You're driving it. What happens next? You, you've got the, you've still got the Civic. You've still got the, the family car. So you change that out. Yep. 
No, not yet. Um, so we still have the Civic. Um, and, you know, I'm driving the Boxster and I like taking it and, and my wife, you know, going for drives together. And we also have a dog, you know, his name's Hobbs and we like taking him to parks and doing walks and stuff like this. And it's like, you know, Hey, we can go to all these great national parks, which usually have twisty roads and other fun driving activities nearby. And this is all stuff that Hobbs would love to do, but we got to leave him at home because there's not, you know, any room in the car for him. So, uh, you know, I felt really sad that we were leaving that opportunity on the table you know, when a 911 is just sitting there with the back seat, perfect for a dog, you know, or maybe a small child. So, uh, you know, that, that kind of started my, my thinking around that. And, um, <clears throat> you know, I started talking to my wife, like, Hey, you know, yeah, the civic's great and it's really reliable and everything, but like driving, it's really boring and we're not going to want to take this and do trips. And, you know, we can't fit Hobbs in the Boxster. So like, you know, a 911 is really looking more and more appealing, you know, and that's how that conversation started. So when did this start, Tyler? Was this the was this last year? Well, when did this start? Uh, so twenty twenty, you buy the Boxster, and then you already got the itch. You've already got the itch for another another Porsche, which happens to all of us. Yes, yeah, um, that did happen. Then in twenty twenty one, twenty twenty one, that I started to get that itch. Yeah, and started to talk about it. And you know, um, are, are you familiar with the Millennium Edition nine nine six, Michael? Yes, I am. Yep. Okay. So one of those caught my eye and I absolutely fell in love with the color and the uniqueness of the interior. I I don't know why I just absolutely love wood grain. And I just thought it would be awesome car. And I started talking to some people and there's like a millennium edition registry forum. And I found one and I was like begging my wife. I'm like, please, 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 please. Can I get this? You know? And she's like, I don't know. You know, you already have the one, we have the family car. Da, 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 da. And so, you know, we, we ultimately decided that between shipping it over here, you know, this one was in California and stuff like that, um, that it was just, it was just too much money, basically. What is um, the, so, sorry, Tyler, what is the interior of the Millennium Edition again? Is it like a tan color? I, I'm trying to remember the, the interior. It's an unusual interior, right? It is, yeah. I think it's called like natural brown. That's right. Uh, or something like that. Yeah. And actually, um, there was a shop in wisconsin sorry it looks like the carrera gt interior it looks like that same brown that the carrera gt has which they have a word for and i can't think of it's like saddle brown color it almost looks like the same color Mm -hmm. that's why yeah i remember now sorry go ahead yeah no and so um you know i i'm still uh you know and i know that you've talked about this with other people i look at car gurus every single day like (laughs) every single day Uh, i'm not (laughs) i'm not even in the market i just like to look and see what prices are and like oh would i have wanted that one or wow what a good deal that one and stuff like that um, but we came across one in Wisconsin where I'm from um, that's, that was like 20 minutes away from my parents' house. And I said, well, let's go home and visit my parents. And then let's also check out this car because my wife was adamant that she did not like the interior of the Millennium Edition where I thought it was very cool. Yep. So we went there. Uh, we got to sit in it. And, uh, you know, she kept calling it baby poop brown. And I was like, uh, this did not go the way I was hoping. I thought once she saw it in person, she was going to think it was pretty cool. So so she basically totally squashed that, um, and we decided that you know the Millennium Edition wasn't really uh, worth selling the Civic for at that time. What is the um, Millennium Edition nine nine six? The exterior color is unusual as well, isn't it? Is it only come in one color? Yes, or- yeah, it's a beautiful. I don't know how to pronounce it. I've only read it, but it's like violet chroma flare or something like that. Oh, it's and a it chroma trans- flare. Color. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. 
Okay, so you, I'll, I'll, so yeah, so your wife didn't like the color of the interior. So w- what do you do then? Do you do you leave it? Do you stop looking for nine elevens, or do you start looking for something else? Yeah, well, I was really drawn to that paint color, that that violet chroma flare, which you know transfers from like a deep purple to a light purple to uh, olive green to black and everything in between, and it's just beautiful. And I, I you know, uh, I was I was pretty bummed out that we couldn't come to an agreement on what was right for our family with that. Um, yep. So I, I left it alone, but. You know, as you know, Michael, the prices for used cars and especially Porsche have been just going up and up and up. And, um, you know, I just felt like, hey, uh, we can wait till next year and prices are probably <laughs> going to be more and yep. the mileage is probably going to be higher yep. and and all that. So I really felt like, you know, I wanted to get into a 911 and specifically uh, a Millennium Edition if I could, because the 996 and 997 price point difference, you know, was what it was. Um, and I basically wouldn't shut up about this millennium edition. You know, I would show right. my wife pictures like every week, like, Oh, look at this one. Like, isn't that cool? You know, but, uh, we ended up going to this, uh, really awesome parade in Roseville, Minnesota. That, uh, it's basically the PCA guys all get together and they put their cars in a parking lot and have like a viewing for about maybe four hours or so where the public can come in. And so I took my car, my boxer there and my wife, and I said, you know, I really want to go and take a look at them. And so, we did that and, you know, we appreciate all the different models and makes and everything. But, you know, as we're walking around, you know, I kind of started to feel like, Hey, you know, the 996 is very similar to the Boxster in a lot of ways. And if we were going to start to move into a 911, maybe we would want something with a little bit more differential. And both of us were really drawn to like the 2006, 2007, 997. So, uh, you know, we really liked the shape of the headlights. We really like, I love the size, you know, I think it's the perfect size. And so we walked around there and I said, well, you know, these are beautiful. We, we both really, really like the 997. Um, the price difference from a nice 996 like we had been looking at to, uh, you know, a little bit higher mileage, 997, the gap isn't crazy. Yeah. Um, and so she really agreed that like the 996 wasn't, you know, what she wants. And I would not make a financial purchase of this magnitude, you know, without complete you know, buy-in from my significant other. So, uh, you know, basically that not working for her kind of meant it didn't really work for me either, but the 997 definitely did. Um, and so she kind of nudged me in that direction. I think it's a good point though. I mean, then, you know, the 986 Boxster, the 996, very similar. You know what I mean? Very similar inside, mm-hmm. very, very similar. It's like the 987 Boxster looks like the, you know, the 997 a bit more inside. You know, they share the same sort of parts. So it kind of makes sense. So, what do you start looking for then? Do you start looking for a Carrera? Do you start looking for a Carrera S, uh, 4S? Or what was the Carrera originally where you started at? Yeah, so Carrera is where I started at. That's where I wanted to be uh, just from, number one, the price point. Number two, uh, you know, from what I understand online is the 3.6 liter engine is less sub- subject to bore scoring than, you know, the 3.8 in the S. So uh, similar to my, my thoughts in the Boxster, this is something I want to maintain and keep and enjoy. Yeah. So if I can lower the risk that way, that was a big positive for me. Yep. And, you know, I didn't really want like the sport mode and all that stuff. Like I kind of just wanted it to be like an old car where my right foot is the sport mode. If I'm putting it down, we're going. And if I'm not, we're not. <laughs> yeah. And I think, you know, what you just said is, is the reason when I bought my car five years ago it was a similar reason. I started looking at S's, right? And that there mm-hmm. were not many available, the price. And I've said this before in other podcasts, but the price was quite a lot more, quite a lot more money you know, twenty twenty five thousand $25,000 more. But then I started reading, like what you just said. I started reading about that, you know, the, the problems with the engine. 
And the early, you know, the S's that were cheap were the O4s, the very first O4s, O5s, late O4s, O5s or whatever, O5, O4 build year. And apparently they're the ones that can have a lot of issues with IMS ball scoring in that, that S engine. So that was the reason why I kind of decided, well, I, I think I'm just going to get a Carrera. I'll just get the base. It's got the bigger IMS. You know, it doesn't need any sort of, you know, it's reasonably safe. And then, you know, just hope it's, it's going to be okay in the future. So it's kind of the same way you were thinking as well, a little bit. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, 100%. Um, totally agree with everything that you said. And yeah, I made, a, I made basically a set list of the options that I felt like were things that I wanted. And, you know, of course, manual, because this was a fun car. You know, I've been fortunate enough to work from home. So commuting into the office and dealing with traffic, you know, is not an issue. So yep. definitely wanted a manual. Uh, definitely wanted to buy Xenon headlights. I think that's awesome. Uh, I love the sand beige interior. So I wanted that. And then I was also interested in heated seats and a sunroof. So those are really the things that were like must have, as well as the Bose system, I should say. I didn't want the premium sound. Um, like would full leather have been nice? Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, that wasn't like a make or break. So when you're searching, did you find all those things? As a matter of fact, I did, Michael. You did. You found all uh, of them. I did. Every single thing, yeah. Uh, and it was, uh, at the time, it, it had... So the prices back when I bought were, were similar to now. I mean, things yeah. were a little bit different, but I think if someone was looking to get my Boxster now, they would probably have a top-end budget of 10, 10 5 uh, US dollars. Yeah. And you know, for the 997, probably at least 40, uh, maybe closer to 41, 42,000. Um, but you know, things were a little bit cheaper back then, um, you know, thankfully <laughs> yeah. for me um, and everybody else that bought at that time. But they were still way higher than they used to be. You know, I went back and looked at Bring a Trailer, from like 2018 and I'm like sitting in my room being like, are you serious, dude? You could have bought that. And my wife's like, stop looking at cars from, you know, four years ago. It's not going to happen. <laughs> but aren't 997s, aren't 997s tipping close to 60,000 in the US now? Or did I, did I see that wrong? No, they are. Um, but, uh, you know, I was looking more at like the 100,000 mile mark uh, as close right. to under that as I could be. But yeah, I mean, definitely if you're, if you're looking at you know, 50,000 miles, probably $50,000, maybe a little more. Right. Um, right. And certainly can go up from there. Okay. Um, so, so you want all these options. I'm interested because sand, sand beige, you know, I, I have a, a bigger appreciation of beige leather interiors, tan leather interiors, and even red leather interiors, which I don't usually like from being in the Middle East because a lot of the cars there are all specced with those interiors. And I kind of like, even though mine's black, it really is nice to have a bit of contrast in your interior. It really does make it look it almost it looks it makes it look more expensive. You know what I mean? It really does. The black sometimes looks a little bit. I hate to say people are going to hate me for this, but it does look a little bit cheap sometimes. So to find a sand beige one, I think is is quite hard as well. But to find all these options. So how did you find it? Was it was it online or was it another local a local seller? No, this one was online. Um, and like I said, I look I look every day. Um, and I saw one, and it came up on Car Gurus. Okay. And at the time, it was listed for two thousand dollars more than my budget. Right. And uh, I said, hey, you know what? That is within, a, you know, a deviation factor that I think this seller might, uh, you know, be willing to compromise a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So I uh, got on the phone with him. I said, hey, I see this. I'm uh, like, I'm basically prepared to buy it. You know, I'm very <laughs> interested. Um, but can't be too uh, enthusiastic. Like, yeah, I'm a very, I'm a very honest guy. Michael. <laughs> Sound like me. I'll take it. <laughs> uh, take it. Yeah. I'm like, just don't raise the price anymore. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, no, but, um, I called him and I, I basically said, you know, Hey, I, I see this. Um, I'm very interested, but you know, the, the hurdle for me is, 
this price, unfortunately, is, is a little bit higher than I'm comfortable with. You know, what do you think of this price? And he said, you know what? I haven't thought about going that low, but, uh, you know, I can, I can meet you halfway and I can give you a thousand off. And I said, okay, cool. Um, let me talk to my wife, but you know, that sounds pretty Fair reasonable enough. to me. Yeah. Um, especially with, you know, uh, this was one of the few ones that was in my price range that not even that had all the options I wanted, but just was like in this price range period. So, you know, we talked about it, my wife and I, and she said, you know, a thousand dollars is basically close enough. Um, you can go for it. So, uh, you know, texted this guy, he's actually, um, in Brentwood, Tennessee at Nietzsche Motors. Uh, right. His name is Evan Lomas. If anybody, any of our listeners are thinking of dealing with them, I had a, a beautiful experience. I mean, super helpful, super nice. But when I was texting and calling with him, you know, he was closing on his house. So I obviously didn't want to overstep. You know, he has more important things than selling this car to me. Yeah. But, you know, I texted him on maybe a Saturday and I didn't hear from him until like Monday. I'm like, oh no, he probably sold it. You know, this is such a great deal. I bet somebody <laughs> walked on the lot and was ready to scoop it up and I don't want to bother him and be so needy to check in on it. But, you know, he was just going through a lot, uh, in terms of the closing and stuff like that. And, um, yeah, when he, when he did get back to me that following Monday, you know, we were able to, uh, you know, hash out a bunch of the questions that I had and, and have a, a, a thoughtful conversation about it and basically come to an agreement on me purchasing the car. Okay. So what do you do then? How do you get the car back home? Yeah. Um, so again, this guy, he was, he was great. Um, you know, he told me that he worked for Porsche for a number of years. I actually just looked him up on LinkedIn and he did, you know, cause, right. uh, he told me this car is in beautiful shape. He said for all the miles, it's been so well maintained, you know, um, it did have a replacement head unit in it as well. Um, okay. so I can do the Apple CarPlay, which was a really big plus cause that's something that I would have wanted to, you know, address. And did they give um, you the original one. Did you get the original one or not? No, I did not. Um, so that is like the missing stock piece. That's, that's like the one difference, I guess, from, from factory. Um, but yeah, um, because he's a dealer, you know, he had a bunch of experience and a bunch of connections and was so easy to work with someone who was a novice like me. I'd never had bought a car out of state before, uh, much less one that I had not seen. And, um, you know, it was just relying on the pictures and I did not get a PPI on this one, Michael. I felt so comfortable with this with this guy, Evan and his company and the time that he was willing to spend with me and like anything that I needed, he was there for. And I just trusted him. So I'm not sure how it works in the U S with this, but is there any type of warranty on cars that old from dealers or not? I don't think so. Uh, they may offer them. Um, but you know, this was an as is sale and it was clear in the contract, you know, that he sent over that, that there was no warranty. I didn't look into any, aftermarket type warranty and you know kind of took a leap of faith i guess so you really trusted this guy then you really trusted this dealer i did i did and i still do um i left him a real long review if anybody wants to search niche motors and and tyler yeah i wrote i don't know like a page long thing i'm saying here is my experience um and all that stuff so all the listeners all the listeners i know that want me to ask this so when the car arrived was it as you expected? Was everything as expected or were there some surprises? Because no PPI, you trusted the dealer. You said you gave the dealer a great review. So everything must have been pretty in shape. But was there anything that was that surprised you when the car arrived? A little bit, Michael. Um, oh, yeah? Okay. A little bit, yeah. So when the car came off the trailer, I have a little bit uh, similar to uh, the guy I bought the car from, a little bit of an incline, you know, uh, from my driveway to the uh, 
<laughs> you know, uh, to the road. And so right. the guy backs it off the, the, um, the truck and everything. And I'm looking at it and I'm, you know, smiling, just like when I'm, I'm driving my boxer, super happy. And I don't think I mentioned it, but this is a black 997.1, uh, year 2007. Yep. We're going to get and, into um, that. I haven't. Yep. Okay. Okay. And, uh, the, the gentleman who delivered it, you know, he's pulling into my driveway kind of straight on and I have to take the boxer at it like a 45 degree angle to not, you know, hit it. But I'm like, okay, I've never driven a 911. I've never driven, driven a 911 before period, Michael. So this okay. was like me relying on my feelings of Porsche and the boxer and just wanting that those extra two seats, you know, to, yep. to get into this car and, uh, just, <laughs> just nails the car like straight on. I'm like, Oh my God. Like, oh, what really? the heck? So he backed it out. Yeah. And, and I mean, it was an honest mistake and everything, but I'm like, Hey dude, like you got to take this like way different angle. And so he drops it, it really, off, you know, everything. Was it damaged badly? No, I'm, I'm maybe being a little bit dramatic. You it's know, he was slow. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like under the front lip, you know, it kind of it hit let's, a point where it was not going to go up. Let's go back though. Let's just let's just introduce the car because, like you said, we haven't really told the the listeners exactly what you bought. Um, tell the listeners exactly what you bought, and you said you got all the mods you wanted. So just uh, let's just tell them the mods again and anything else that was on the car that that you didn't really want. Yeah, so I, I got the 2007 um, 911 base Carrera, um, by xenon headlights in sand beige with heated seats, a sunroof. I had the 19-inch turbo wheels with the um, colored crest, which I really like the colored crest. I, I didn't realize how much I appreciate that. But, uh, you know, in comparing it with the Boxer, which yeah. just has, like, the black Porsche logo, I really do like that it's color worth it. pop. It makes a big difference. <laughs> I've got mm-hmm. them as well. Big yeah, difference. absolutely. Yeah, I love it. Um, and then, yeah, the uh, the head unit, you know, for the stereo system had been replaced to be CarPlay. Um, and I think that's... That's pretty much it. There are a couple of other things, you know, with the bows and stuff like that, but you know, nothing else real major. But a really good service history, right? You said it had a good had has a good service history. Yeah, one that I was comfortable with. Uh, you know, it did. So I I called this uh, shop just because I didn't totally understand how this like IMS RMS situation works in the nine nine seven. You know, I th- think the 05 is more like the nine nine six, where you can do the LN replacement, something like that. Where yep. as the 997 from, uh, I think 2006 to 2008 is like non-serviceable, but there was documentation that like the RMS was dealt with. And I was like, well, what does this mean? Because I thought you can't do that. So I called the shop and they explained it to me and said, essentially the seal was leaking oil. So this seal was like pulled and I don't really know what they did, but essentially this fixes it. So, um, I felt like, you know, that problem had been resolved under prior ownership. And I was really happy to see that and hear that, um, in the prior ownership documentation. So what about the clutch on this car? I was like talking about the clutch as well. How about the clutch? Was that, had a good feel about it? It wasn't slipping. There was no shuddering. Yeah, it was, it was perfect, Michael. Um, and it still is perfect. You know, I've been driving it and, um, at some point I'll probably want to talk to you about the differences between the two. Um, you know, but, but not really just yet. Um, but when I first took my first drive in this, in the 997, um, you know, it's a lot heavier car than the Boxster and, and I feel like, you know, the, the rear engine placement is very noticeable compared to the mid-engine location of the Boxster. Okay. And it took a lot of getting used to. It, sorry, I'll interrupt. This is something I'm always I'm, I'm interested in. And I'm interested in this because I've had this from a couple of recent owner stories as well. I think, uh, man, my memory's so bad. Amanda um, mentioned it, I think. Um, do you... Do you feel like you, you, you drive differently in the Boxster to the 997? You just said it kind of like, because you got the rear engine. You know, people who are listening to the podcast, some people have Porsches, some people are looking to buy a Porsche, right? So 
these sort of episodes kind of help new buyers to, to sort of decide, do I want a Boxster or do I want a 911, right? And sometimes it just comes down to budget, but sometimes it comes down to driver feel, right? So you've got a rear engine 911. Um, I haven't hid my feelings on how much I love it. You know, you feel the weight transfer, you feel it in the corner. But to drive a Boxster, and I've only been a passenger in Boxsters, I've never driven a Boxster. Is it a different, do you have to change the way you drive because of that mid-engine? I think so, yes. Um, to me, uh, I think the Boxster, you know, the way I would describe it is it's carefree and it's fun. You know, like it, it is just a fun car. Um, I am so comfortable in it. I can, you know, just bang, 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 go through the gears, don't have to think about anything. I can accelerate, I feel like, at any point into any corner and, you know, feel very comfortable, um, you know, that the car is going to perform what I'm expecting. Uh, you know, the 911 is a bit more of a rewarding and, and I don't know, just kind of different level of satisfaction for your driving. Um, like you mentioned, kind of the weight distribution and the transfer that you can feel. Mm. So I feel like for me, I have to think more when I'm driving the 911. Um, and I, and I had never driven a six speed before. Right. Uh, so when I, <laughs> when I first was bringing it out of the driveway, I put it in first gear and I like pulled forward and I was like, what the heck? And I put it in first gear again and I pulled forward. I didn't know you had to pull it all the way over, you know, and go up <laughs> to get to reverse. So it took me like three tries to yeah, actually yeah. end up in reverse. Um, We've all done that. <laughs> but yeah, with the boxer. Yeah. Yeah. With the boxer though. Um, you know, with only being five gears, you know, it's pretty obvious which gear you should be in uh, to do the things that you want. And to me, you kind of have more decision-making to go through within the 911 to decide, like, do I want to be in second gear or is third gear the right move for this? You know, um, that type of stuff. So I would say that I definitely drive differently, um, just just in terms of, like, the way that I approach turns and accelerate out of them. Yeah, I think um, Amanda said that in, in Owner Stories number 72. I think she said she can break in her spider. She's obviously got the 2022 spider, but you can break a lot later. You know what I mean? In the mid-engine, mm-hmm. she found yeah, you can I feel break, like break a lot later than you do in the 911. You break differently, yeah. I guess. I would agree. I mean, I feel like for me, I feel like I can like accelerate into any turn at like, I mean, being a little bit uh, dramatic, like at like any speed in the Boxster. Whereas in the 911, I feel like, hey, I need to... <laughs> I need to be careful to hit this at the right point and, you know, not lose control or doing like, I feel like I have ultimate control in the Boxster, whereas I feel like I'm still learning or have to think more in the 911. So Tyler, in 2020, beginning January 1st, 2020, you didn't have any Porsches. Then you get a Boxster. <laughs> now you got a 997. You know, as I said before, we started recording and, and probably at the beginning, you know, for me, the perfect combination, I think for, for money wise, you know, for value, for money and experience, I think if anyone wants to get two Porsches, like a 986, whether it be a 2.5 or a 2.7, like yours in manual, and a 997 or a 996, you know what I mean? Uh, For me, it's more than 997, Mm -hmm. 997 Carrera. I think that's a great two-car garage. You You must be really happy with what you have now. So obviously the Civic's gone, right? That's it. It's finished. Yeah, the Civic, uh, you know, due to the car market, I actually was able to get more than I paid for it, Um, you know, brand new. So that was really nice to making the 911 purchase um, a lot easier. Yeah. So what are, are you intending to do anything to the 997? We didn't talk about exhaust. I always like to talk about the exhaust and about the exhaust sound and everything like that. Are you intending on changing anything? Did it come with a standard exhaust or did it come with a sports exhaust? Yeah, standard exhaust and the oval tailpipes, which I just prefer the look of. And, you know, Michael, I really like the exhaust as stock because I like to try to use this as a family vehicle. You know, of course I'm driving it 
myself and I'm going to events and, and things like that. But the versatility of the 997 really is unmatched, um, you know, where depending on what gear you're in, you can really tone that engine down and it's not like, you know, you don't have to talk over it too much. And so when my wife and I are, you know, driving, it's, it's nice to be able to keep that at a conversation pace. And it's also really nice that, you know what, if there's a turn coming up or we just want to, you know, go a little bit faster, like you can drop it down into whatever gear and, you know, hear it behind you and enjoy it that way. So is the box, the Boxster is a lot louder in the cabin, is it? Probably, you know, with the, with the top down and everything. Yeah. Oh, with the top down. All right. So what else? You know, we always we always have, you know, like you said, we always keep looking. We always keep looking. So there's no more no more mods, you're not doing anything. Oh, what about your Instagram? Is there's no you don't have any uh, images on your Instagram of your um of your cars, do you? No, not really. Uh I don't I don't post that much, but you know, if there's any listeners, I'm I'm a financial guy. I, I do finance stuff and like I said, I look at the Porsche market all the time. If you wanted to connect with me and run any ideas past me of, you know, is this a good price or can I afford this or something like that? So can I share your Instagram? Um, you know, I'd be happy to, you know, interact with anybody. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Okay. So Tyler's Instagram, if you want to reach out to him uh, when you hear this episode, it's at Tyler, Tyler, what is it? Tyler, double T-W-O-C. Is that right? Tyler, W-T-W-O-C. I'll put the link in the description of this podcast, but um, just go over there and give Tyler a follow and tell him you heard his story on Owner Stories. No pictures of the car yet. Maybe that'll come in the future, huh? You'll take some photos. Maybe you should set up a separate Instagram just for your cars, Tyler. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Maybe something like that. Yeah. I, um, but yeah, I was going to say that, um, if anybody wants to follow me, it probably won't be for me posting any images or anything <laughs> like that, but, uh, you know, happy to have any conversations if people want. So you organize finance for, for cars? No, uh, I do it for clinical trials. Oh, okay. But, okay. um, you know, I went to school for accounting and, you know, I manage my household's money and stuff like that. Yep, um, yep. Yeah. So, you know, we're always looking. We're always looking for Porsches. I always like to ask this question in, in, in the newer episodes of the, of the owner stories. But a perfect three car garage, or a perfect two car Porsche garage, no limit. Money's no object. What is something you'd have in it? Two or three cars? Yeah, uh, you know, Michael, the nine nine seven is my favorite Porsche uh, of, of the whole range. You know, uh, maybe I would want to get up into like a two thousand eleven just to have something with the more reliable engine and the more horsepower, uh, you know, yep. so that would be a bit exciting, but I would maybe want to go with like a 997 GTS. I think that would be great. Uh, a 997 C4S. And, and honestly, I, I would keep a 986 Boxster. I, I really, really like them. Uh, it's a lot of fun and it's just, it's just a pure driving experience. You know, there is no bells and whistles to it. Like it has a CD yeah. player and that's really the extent of the technology. Need. And it's light. It's reasonably light too, isn't it? Yeah. Super light. That's interesting. It's interesting that your cars, you, you know, you've chosen. You haven't chosen all the 911Rs or the Carrera GTs. You've, you've stuck to the, to the driver's cars, the cars you can drive every day. Um, I keep coming back, you know, I think that I'm stupid in a way that I haven't actually bought a Boxster because the prices are going up very quickly, aren't they? They're going up very quickly in Australia. I know they're, you know, for a reasonable one now, they're about 40,000 Australian. So what's that, 30, 30 odd thousand US. You know, they're going up in price. They're a great car, you know. It's something that, you know, it's been overlooked for a while, hasn't it? The box to everyone's into people starting to get into now. It's a bit like nine four fours and nine six eights and the transaxles as well. But the box to sort of is is more higher up the list for a lot of people. And I think if you are listening, and you know, even after hearing Tyler's story, you know, if you if you're looking, don't you think Tyler? If you're looking for a nine eight six, don't hesitate. Just go and buy one because, 
And I think even the you know the two point five or the two point seven is 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 fine. If you can if you can stretch to an S, get an S. But you know, there's nothing wrong with the base ones. That's for sure. Yeah, not at all. For me, um, you know, and like we kind of talked about in my car history, like I hadn't really ever driven anything so powerful. So like a 325 horsepower is plenty of power for me. Uh, you know, anything else, I, I don't even know how some of these guys can drive like turbos and stuff like that and not just be doing crazy speeds at all times. Um, but there's no, is there any more space in your garage though? Are you still looking? Are you looking for something else to slip in there? Like a transaxle or something, uh, you know? <laughs> No, no, my wife's uh, my wife has a Subaru Forester, so the third stall is oh, okay. taken up. And unfortunately, <laughs> I, I'm going to have to be parting ways with the Boxster due to, uh, you know, the new baby here. We won't be able to take trips, you know, the wife and I, and I can just enjoy the 911 and hopefully find somebody similar to myself that's looking to get in to a nice Porsche, you know, at a at a fair price, and you know, kind of okay. share the wealth that way with them. Oh, so you're going to you're going to pass it on? You're going to you're going to sell the Boxster? Yep. Yeah. It's, uh, it's at the, uh, shop right now, getting the alternator taken care of. And, uh, you know, once that's fixed, I'll probably be posting it sometime in the next month. And it really wow. breaks my heart, man. Are you, no, um, you're going to miss it, right? You're going to miss it for sure. I, I miss it already. I mean, I wrote, I wrote a nice ad, you know, that said, here's all the things I've done in my history and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And I basically put like, Hey, I would like a right of refusal on this. If you're ever going to move it, you know, because I love that car. I absolutely love it. And you know, unfortunately, it just doesn't make sense, you know, when we need the extra seat and, yeah. you know, I don't I want mean, it to sit. You've got the 997. You've got the baby seat in the 997. You've sorted all that out? Yeah, we're working through that. It's a different, <laughs> he? tighter it... fit than I thought. Oh, really? But, uh, we, yeah, we're, 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 trying to, we're trying some different things to, to, you know, make sure everything is safe. Isn't there a Porsche accessory for that? I thought there was Porsche had their own little thing that goes in the back. I'm sure it's expensive. Yeah, there is, but it's for, I think it starts at like 25 pounds and my daughter's like only eight pounds right now. Oh, right. So that probably wouldn't even be until next year or so. Right, right. Wow, selling the Boxster. Yeah, but, but you can always get yeah. another Boxster. You can, I mean, if the, if the prices don't go crazy, <laughs> you'll, probably, you'll probably sell it and all of a sudden they'll just, they'll double in price or something. That's usually what happens. But you've got the 997. It's a great car. You know, everyone knows I'm a 997 owner. I love my 997. I've got an 06, so it's a little bit young, a little bit older than yours. Um, and it's a reliable car, isn't it? Anyone that's listening who doesn't have a, a Porsche, the 997, even the 996, it, you know, the 997 is a really reliable car. Yes, you have to pay for the general maintenance, and sometimes those bills are heavy. But in general, it's 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 very reliable, don't you think? And a fun car to drive. A hundred percent. And one thing I would say, Michael, and this probably also factors into my thinking about selling it, is uh, for each car, I basically budget like $1,000 of maintenance fees um, per year, maybe yep. more. Yep. Uh, whether it's the 986 Boxer or the 997. So, uh, you know, to have two cars, you know, that becomes 2000 and that's money that could be yeah, saved true. towards college fund or something like that. So that's part of the, the reason for the sale as well. True. Tyler, we're almost at the end. We've actually spoken for over an hour. Let's talk about, let's talk about, you're in a great area for drives. Let's talk about your favorite drives. If someone's coming to your region, if someone's coming to Minneapolis, where would you say to take their 911, their sports car, their muscle car? Where would they drive? Yeah, so I'm still figuring that out uh, myself. I live a little bit north of the cities. So, um, you know, like I kind of mentioned, my wife and I look into like wineries and also maybe some hiking trails. And, uh, you know, just going up to Elk River, um, I, would, I would take somebody up from where I live which uh, and, and go up to Elk River and just kind of hit up up there. Uh, there's also... In the uh, Stillwater area, you know, that's right along the uh, St. Croix River. There's a lot of fun, twisty roads, the beautiful scenery there. And the third thing, this is actually probably what I would do first, is uh, if someone was coming to town with their Porsche, I would say, hey, you need to join the Porsches and Pancakes Minneapolis group, which is run by our buddy James. James, Uh, Yes, sir. 
Yeah, him and um, the moderators there, I think Chris and some other guys, they do a great job uh, taking care of all. They basically do what you do, Michael, for setting up the podcast and bringing us all together. They do that for the drivers. You know, they say, hey, we're going to meet at this place at this time, have breakfast, and then we're going to do this route. And those guys, you know, the first drive that I ever did in my 997 was with them. And okay. uh, that that was a fun drive and that was a fast pace and like, you know, my wife was with me in the car too. And we're like taking turn, taking a turn. And I'm like, well, the four cars ahead of me did it at this speed. So I think it'll be fine. You know, and, yeah. you know, so they yeah. kind of taught me the way, but I would definitely say if you could link up with those guys, you know, they always have something fun going on. Yep. So that's James at Autometry. People who haven't been to James's uh, YouTube channel or his Instagram, it's just at Auto Amateur, and uh, you'll find the details of it there. He talks about it, I think, or has links to it when it's, when it's happening. Um, Tyler, Anything else before we go? Anything else you'd like to share with the listeners? Yeah, I'll just mention, um, you know, one one or two quick things. Uh, one other thing that that kind of went into my purchase was, you know, my uncle, he bought a real nice Jaguar. I think it's like an XF type. And, you know, his wife, unfortunately, had been having some health issues and, you know, his life changed quite a bit. Right. And so if people, you know, are sitting on the sidelines looking at this saying, I can afford it, but, you know, I don't need it. I don't, I don't know. Uh, you know, as long as you're still like living within your means and being responsible about your purchases and things like that, I would, I would recommend to anybody at any age to just jump right in. I think if you're interested, I think you'll love it. Um, you know, and just, just kind of thinking about, you could do everything right and save all your money and save all your money. And, you know, something like that could happen. And it's like, well, I probably would have rather had the driving experience or had the car experience or done yeah. this vacation. So, um, you know, I would, I would definitely recommend that. Um, and then, like I said, like, uh, I'll offer my opinion if anybody ever did want to reach out to me uh, to just talk about these things. You know, I've been monitoring the market like literally on a daily basis since I started getting interested in 2020 through today. So I think I have a pretty good eye of what's reasonable price and understanding all those things. So, um, you know, happy to share any further experiences that I can offer or encourage or provide feedback to anyone that might be looking, you know, to get into the to the Porsche world. Fantastic. And, you know, that's what's great about this thing that we're all into, this Porsche that we're all into, this, this, you know, all of us being enthusiasts is the community. You know what I mean? And what you just said, then helping, reaching out to help people who, you know, who are looking at buying one or thinking about buying one who aren't sure. I get so many DMs from people, you know, so many messages from people who haven't bought one yet, who want information or should I do this? Should I do that? You know, and it's hard when you're not in, when you don't have a Porsche, when you first start looking, don't you think it's a bit daunting? There's a lot to sort of get to know. Mm -hmm. There's a lot to learn. Um, and it's great, you know, I had people who used to help me and, and, and now I guess I'm sort of passing it on and, and helping other people as much as I can with my, my limited knowledge. Um, and I think that's, that's what we love about the community. That's for sure. Yeah, absolutely, Michael. And, you know, thank you so much for doing all that you do in terms of this podcast and bringing us all together. Uh, I know it takes a lot of work and a lot of your time. So, you know, thank you for making that happen for all of us listeners. We all really appreciate it. Uh, no, thank you. I, I, like I said, I, I enjoy the owner stories. I really do. I enjoy hearing the stories. It's, uh, it makes me feel like I'm buying a car every episode. You know what I mean? It makes me feel like I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm buying another yeah. Porsche. You know, I talk about it a lot, yeah. but it's good when I can talk about other people and, 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 you know, their journey and how they got there. So it's good. And, and the common thread that we yeah. all have, you know what I mean? There is such a common thread running through all these stories that, you know, they're not all the same, but we always have, there's that passion, there's that, there's that journey that we all go through. Um, and like you said, if you can afford to do it, you know, obviously don't make yourself bankrupt, but it's, it's worthwhile and it will, it will make your life more, it, it, it's a fun thing to do, isn't it? It really is a fun thing to do. And it's a great car. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely agree. All right. Um, Tyler, thanks so much for coming on today. 
Um, I think we've, uh, we've, we've gone over the hour. I'm just going to let everyone know, uh, if you want to reach out to Tyler, like you said, it's at Tyler, and I'll say it this way, Tyler, double T-W-O-C, um, and I'll put that link in the description of this podcast. Tyler, thank you so much. I really appreciate you coming on today. Um, sorry for the cancelled uh, one the other day, but uh, it's all, it was all good. Thank you so much. Yeah, you know, Michael, that actually worked out better for me as well. I came down with a cold and uh, <laughs> I didn't want to cancel on you again. So thank you for, you know, putting putting this together. I really appreciate it. And it's my pleasure to be on with you today. That's great. Thank you so much, Tyler. Really enjoyed it. So that's Tyler coming in from uh, Minneapolis with his 01 Lapis Blue 986 Boxster, which he's going to sell. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> Probably, yeah. Probably. And his 07997 manual, my favorite, as you know, I have an 06 in black, both manuals. Um, great story. Great two-car garage. Um, Tyler, thank you so much. Yep, thank you, Michael. All right, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Porsche Cool Podcast. Bye for now.